Yeah, it's, it's been an amazing week for me. Um, I, I, was in, uh, I was in Salt Lake City this week in, in Utah and, uh, and leading a, a bunch of high school students, about 6,000 high schoolers at the Salt Lake uh, Convention Center, you know, right by the that crazy temple. And uh, they, uh, they uh, I, I tell you, the worship was so intense. The worship was so amazing. I mean, these, these students were so on fire. They made the Staples Center sound like a convalescent home. I mean, it was, it, it was such a great worship experience. But I remember just at the end going, man, I don't want to leave this. This is so good. You know, and you just get tired of goodbyes. You get tired of, oh, I got to go. You know, just when I was connecting with these students, they're like, yeah, I'm leaving now. And uh, what a rush. But, but that's just the way life is. And you just look forward to that one day when all the people that have left Cornerstone and you know, everyone in your life that loved the Lord will be back together just worshiping forever and never having to say goodbye. And it almost just seems unreal. You know, it's just like, gosh, is that really going to be like that? And yet that's what the Bible promises. Um, but while that week in Utah was great, there were, uh, there were some tough things that happened this week as well in my life. Um, when I got to my hotel room, which was a nice hotel room, uh, the TV didn't have a remote control. <laughs> so if I wanted to watch TV, I had, I had to get up and push a button and change the channels, and you sit down and you go, I don't really want to watch it. You got to get up again. I mean, I hadn't done that since I was a kid. And... Um, so I ended up just saying, forget it, I'll just turn it off, I'm not watching that, it's too much work. And, um, but that's, that's not the worst, okay? Then, okay, then I, uh, okay, so all week I'm in this rental car, right, you know, with, with one of those cool buttons you push and all the, you know, doors unlock and everything else. I, we get home on Friday, and uh, right when we got home, we had to repack and I had to head out to Ventura for another conference and uh, realized, you know, my car doesn't have an unlock button. So I, I go and I unlock manually all the doors to let my family in. I know. I, I, you think you had a hard week. Okay. I, because once you get, you get used to the button, it's hard to go back, right? You know, and I'm going back to my car. And, uh, and, uh, but, okay, here's the worst part, okay? If you're not crying already, here's the worst part. On Friday when I left to go to Ventura, I forgot my cell phone. See, some of you guys think, like, God protects me from all trials. Uh, no. I, I forget my cell phone, and so I'm thinking, you know, what am I going to do? You know, I'm not going to go to a pay phone. Do they even make those, you know? And so I just thought, man, so for 24 hours, I, I didn't call anyone and talk to anyone on the cell phone because that's just too much work, you know, trying to find change and go to a pay phone and everything else. I just said goodbye to everyone else and just did this conference, and um, it's just tough. And uh, I, I, I was thinking yesterday, you know, as I'm looking at all these stupid things, I just think, you know, I'm so lazy now. You know, I, I just, you know, back, back when I was a kid, you know, we didn't have all this stuff. And, it, and it's funny how you just take for granted. And now, if it takes any type of effort, I, I just don't even want to do it anymore. And, uh, and, and how conditioned I've been toward laziness. I mean, our world is just that way. I mean, we don't even have to exercise anymore. You can pay someone and they'll suck the fat out of you. You know? <laughs> it's like, oh, that's better. You know? And uh, it's just, and not all this stuff is bad, okay? Not all these things are bad. It's just, here's the problem, is, is we are conditioned, our minds are conditioned 
to define the easiest way to do everything, right? I mean, that's just the way we naturally think. What's the easiest way? If it takes too much effort, I just don't want to do it. And that's fine, too, in some ways. The problem comes when, if we don't have clear goals and a clear plan and clear purpose for our life, what we will do is we will naturally gravitate toward what is easiest. And suddenly, what is easiest becomes the goal of our lives. I just want to have the easiest, most comfortable life I can have. And what I want you to do is I want you to think, if your goal right now were to be, I I want to have the easiest life on earth. I just want things to be as easy as possible. I want you to think, what would be a realistic plan? Okay, if right now you just thought, okay, I just want life to be easy and comfortable, okay, and you just start to write down, okay, so what do I need to do to make that happen? What would you write? And don't, don't, don't say, oh, I'd win the lottery, because I'm saying realistic things. You're not going to win. So, no, just really realistically think, okay, my goal now is comfort. I want life to be easy. So then what would your plan be at this point, a realistic plan? Just think about that. Kind of have a plan in your head? What I want you to think now is how different is your life currently than that plan? Is your life really that different? Or have you just naturally gravitated toward that plan because that's what we normally do, that's what we naturally do. We gravitate toward comfort. So you may, if you don't think it through, you're just going to go and do whatever's easiest, whatever's most comfortable, and go, I don't want to go through too much change. I just kind of want to stay here and pay off the house, do this, 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 this. That's comfortable. That's what I know. And so we end up doing that because we don't have a clear goal or plan in life. We start to pursue comfort. You know, like Tony said, you know, the easiest thing he could do is stay. Easiest thing is he knows how to lead worship here. He knows, you know, what to do day in, day out, and kind of have, he wants his kids to grow up here. It's just safe, it's comfortable, it's good, it's easy, it's the easiest thing I could do. But he's saying, no, here's something I could do that, uh, that, that would stretch me, that kind of scares me, that takes me out of the comfort zone, and I believe will eventually lead to bringing more glory to God. And so uh, let me take that road, let me pursue that. Um, you know, I am constantly asking myself, what am I doing right now that scares me? always asking myself that question. What am I doing right now that I just think is over my head, is too hard for me, and it scares me? And I ask that question to myself on a consistent basis because when I study the Scriptures, when I look at the Bible as a whole, and I look at the people that God lifts up as great men of God, I realize that none of them took the easy road. And when I look at Hebrews 11 and and these people that God lists as, as great men and women of the faith, I realized, you know what, none of them lived a comfortable life. They all put themselves in situations that were difficult, that were scary, and where God had to come through. See, Hebrews eleven six 6 says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. 
And, and the thing is, is that faith and comfort don't mix. You can't live a comfortable life and still have a life of faith. By its very definition, you're, you're going with things that you can't see. You know, and you're not walking by sight, but you're walking by faith. You're going, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to charge it, I'm going to make this happen. I mean, you're going to suffer, sacrifice, because I really believe there's something greater in the end. That's what faith is about. It's not the easy route. It's not the comfortable route. When I think about Tony's situation, I, I think about Hebrews 11, verse 8, when it talks about Abraham. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, it says, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. It says in Hebrews 11.8, it's a story that, that we know from Genesis 12 when God calls Abram and he says, you know, I'm going to take you out of your land and I'm going to take you to this promised land and you're going to be the father of this nation, you know, and he becomes the father of the Jewish nation and we remember him, you know, Father Abraham, many sons, you know, and the, the whole, whole thing, you know, but, but it's that whole picture that God says, look, I'm going to send you out there and it says that by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go to this place, he just went even though he didn't know where he was going. And it goes on in verse 9, it says, By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. So it says he goes to this place and that he's a stranger there. He's a foreigner there. Later on, he calls himself an alien on this earth. He goes to this place and he leaves his home. And it says that he lives in a tent. His whole life, he lives in a tent. And then it says, so did his sons. So did Isaac. So did Isaac's kids. So did Jacob. They lived in tents. In fact, the whole time that Abraham lived in that area, he never owned a home. He never owned property. He just lived in a tent. Well, actually, he, he owned one plot of land, one small plot of land. You read about it in Genesis 23, verse 4. He buys a plot of land so he can bury his wife. And that's the only land, that's the only piece of land he actually owned in that, in that land. It's the only place, just a place to bury his, his wife. Other than that, he just lived in tents. I think that's so profound because has it ever occurred to you that the only land you get to keep is about eight feet by four feet? Has it ever occurred to you that you guys, you think you own all this property? Are you going to be able to keep it? The only piece of land you're going to be able to keep is that piece of land you're buried in. And Abraham understood that. That's it. Don't fool yourself into thinking you're going to accumulate, accumulate more and more and more. At the end, we all end up with the same piece of dirt. Some of you won't even get that because you're going to get cremated and you get a little box. But, you know, the, the, whole, I, the whole idea is, is you guys, this is, this is reality. And Abraham understood that. And he says, so, you know, it's okay. I'll leave there and go to this other place because it says that he was looking forward to another home. 
He was looking forward to the city that he would one day be a part of, the city, you know, with a real foundation. It's that eternal city, a city called heaven. He says, so down here on the earth, it really doesn't matter to me. So what, I'll, I'll set up a tent. And you go, well, yeah, but he did that to his son and, you know, and his grandson. How could he do that to his family? You guys, that is the greatest thing he could do for his family. He was teaching them that, look, this is not our home here. Our, our home is in heaven. That's why we're taking you here. Because this earth is just a temporary place, and we don't really get to keep any of it. Here's a place where we buried mom, and yeah, that's hers. But that's it. And uh, it, it goes on in verse 13. It says that all these people were still living by faith when they died. See, Abraham, he never got to see it his whole life. It wasn't like Abraham went on this journey and, and he, he got to, you know, do and experience a bunch of stuff. Then he went back home and got safe again. No, it says his whole life he lived in these tents and he never got to see it. He died in faith. And this is what we don't see nowadays. People who throughout their whole lives keep living by faith all the way to the point that they die. Still living by faith. Because even the people today that are lifted up as these great Christian heroes, man, they, they do something great in life and not to, down, you know, to look down upon that. But at some point, it's like, okay, now that I've done it, let me go back to somewhere safe. Let me build a big house for myself, start writing books and tell people how great I am. That wasn't Abraham. He kept charging it. He kept charging it. He's saying, I'm going to live by faith, live by faith, live by faith. I won't see any of this. I won't get the reward until I die. And I pray to God that I could be a man like that. I pray to God that, 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 that I don't get caught up in the comfort and go back home and say, okay, I want to be safe again. But to live a life of faith and still be living by faith when I die. It says they did not receive the things promised. See, Abraham didn't get the reward. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. Verse 14, people who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. <laughs> Don't you love that verse? God is not ashamed to be called their God. Think about that. I love that phrase. Because God says, you see the life of Abraham? His whole life, he just followed me. I kept taking him to these places, and he never got to set down camp. He just had a tent there for a little while. He never made a home on this earth. He was always thinking about the future, all the way up until the point he died. So... I'm not ashamed to be called Abraham's God. And I just think, man, I'd love for God to say that about me. I'm not ashamed to be Francis's God. He lived by faith the whole time he was on the earth. Wouldn't you love for God to say that about you? I'm not ashamed to be your God. You're not like those people who, you know, just say that they follow me. You show it. Just like Abraham, he showed that he was looking for a future by his actions. See, it says that if they had been thinking, it says in verse 15, if they had been thinking of the country they left, like suppose Abraham, he gets to this promised land, he's been there for five, ten years, and he starts thinking, 
why in the world did I leave? I'm sitting here in a tent, and back home I had property. Back home I had a great house. I put so much time into it. I had all my sheep, my horses. I could have had the grandkids take pony rides, everything else. It was all there for me. And no, by following God, I'm out here sitting in a tent. And it says, if he had thought, if he had been thinking about that, he had every opportunity to go back. But it shows that he wasn't thinking about what he left behind. He kept looking forward. He kept looking forward and hoping and saying, yeah, no, one day I've got a real city waiting for me. I've got a real reward waiting for me. He never got to see that until he died. He lived by faith the whole time and said, I'm going for that. And God says, I'm not ashamed of that guy. I'm his God. I'm his God. That's my boy. That's one of my children. I want God to say that about me. You see, there's a lot of things we can look back on and say, ah, oh, before I started following God, I used to be able to do that, 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 that. You want to go back, go back. Okay, what God tells us is, no, don't go back, look forward. Keep looking forward to this heavenly home. Keep thinking about that. Get that in your mind. Have that eternal perspective. Don't keep looking at the things of this world. Keep looking forward to that heavenly city. And God says, if that's where your mindset is, then I'm not ashamed to be called your God. Do you have an eternal perspective? You see, for the last 10 years, I've been here at Cornerstone. And, uh, and it's been awesome. It's been a great experience. I'm not leaving, don't worry. <laughs> I, I was realizing it's starting to sound like that. Okay, okay, no, 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 no. I'm, not, I'm not leaving yet. Okay. <laughs> Told you some changes were happening, but... Uh, no, no, for the last 10 years, I mean, it's been cool. But, but what we've been doing at Cornerstone is we've been gathering people, right? We just keep gathering more and more people and just packing it out and just get a bigger and bigger following. I've been gathering staff, you know, from all different places and just going, man, look at this team. I mean, now I travel and go to these other churches and I look at their staffs and go, scary. You know, we've, we've got such a strong, solid staff. Every area where I go... This is the staff I've always wanted. This is what I wanted here at Cornerstone. And every time someone talks about leaving, you know, over the last 10 years, I, I've been trying to talk them out of it. You know, like when Kevin was saying, I want to go to Peru. It's like, eh, forget about them. Cornerstone, you know, we, you know, this is where you're needed. This is the greatest place on earth, you know. And, and just, you know, and, and people that move away, it's like, no, why would you leave? You know, this is it. And, uh, and, and yet, the truth is, is, the last couple of years, you travel around, you realize there's so much need out there. There's so much need. And there are so many places that need churches like this. And so now, for the next 10 years, the whole goal is sending people out and saying, you know what, we're getting too comfortable here. This is too comfortable. I've been talking to the staff about this. And, uh, and now we've got about five or six pastors on staff that are saying, I'm ready to go and start something new. It's like, all right, right on. Okay, let's go. And, and then, you know, it's grabbing some volunteer and saying, you know, let's go. And, and, and the, the goal now is to try to get as many of you to leave and go, seriously, and say, you know what? It is too comfortable here. You know, yeah, okay, every week is me, Francis, you know, teaching Tony, leading worship, this or that. No, but we're going to have different guys on the platform. They're going to be going and, and sending them off to different places. And I want to encourage you to consider, why wouldn't you go? Why don't you go on a mission? 
Because for some of you, you know you don't have an eternal perspective, and you're not thinking about the future, and the truth is, it's probably the healthiest thing you could do is to leave. Because it would get you to just kind of go, oh yeah, this isn't my home. See, some of you are thinking, well, I'm not leaving because Simi Valley is my home. And this is where I'm going to raise the kids. This is where I'm going to die. And I'm just saying, be careful because you don't ever want to call any place on earth home. Okay, did you see that from this passage? That God has not called us to call any geographic location on earth home. Our home is in heaven. And that's where we have to keep our mindset and to think about. That's where I ought to be going. That's where I'm looking forward to my house. A city of my own, a country of my own, a city with true foundations, the Bible says. Because everything here just kind of passes. It comes and goes. And, and I just... I just want to experiment as we, you know, in the next few years, we'll be bringing different guys up here and say, okay, now this guy's leaving. Who wants to go with him here? And just keep sending, sending, sending. Um, I mean, I'd love if, you know, a few people have already said they're going with Tony and Shauna, but I'd love to, to see a see hundred of us just say, you well, why not? You know? Um, you know, we, we brought up uh, Mike and Jennifer Cratch a few weeks ago, and they talked about how they're going to Papua New Guinea to, to reach this lost tribe and get you to consider maybe going and doing something like that and giving your life to a group of people who have never heard the gospel before. The week after that, I had Don Davis here who works with the inner city with World Impact and has given his life to train up and lead the people of the, the urban poor. You know, now we're, we're, we're talking about Ohio, but we're going to throw out a bunch of different options for you. Just experiment and see, can we really send so many people away that eventually there's no one left? And I just go golfing. You know, I mean, really, just to say, everyone, everyone in the church having a mindset that this isn't my home. I'm being trained up right here. You know, it's, it's like getting all, a bunch of doctors in one hospital. And it's like, no, it's just a training center to send you out and go somewhere else and heal people. And that's what we want Cornerstone to be. That's the whole vision between, be, behind Eternity Bible College. Is, is that those pastors that are leaving here will then take these students and, and train them up, you know, in these future church plants and, and hundreds of us in this room that go to these different places and go and, and make a difference, have an impact in this world somehow. But I want you to pray about going. Um, you see, people are already moving out of Southern California. People are leaving the church pretty rapidly because it's a great time to move out of Southern California because we can get a fortune for our homes, Right? Now, you sell your house right now, it's like, yeah. You know, but then you go, where would I go? I can't buy another one down here. But you can move just about anywhere else and, and live without a mortgage payment and uh, put some money in the bank. And then you, you don't have to run the rat race anymore. And, and so people are leaving, and they're doing that. And, and I'm not saying that's all bad, but the purpose for people leaving is, again, comfort, ease. I want to make my life easier. And my question is, is... Would you consider leaving with a purpose and saying, you know what, yeah, I could move out there, sell everything, and have no mortgage or anything else, and that would enable me to serve God more. And I could give my life to doing more for Him and helping other people and giving to other people. I mean, you could sell your home, move with Tony out to Delaware, Ohio, you know, and, and, and live debt-free, you know, then you just get a job at McDonald's or something, you know, and just, 
Uh, they don't have McDonald's yet, but uh, <laughs> no, they do. You get a, they have Chick-fil-A. That's what they have. How many of you know of Chick-fil-A? Wow, all right. Isn't that the best? I mean, how do they make that chicken so good? The two little pickles and the... That's a reason to move to Ohio, man. Um, I had like five of them last week at, in Utah. Anyways, uh, kind of lost uh, my train of thought. But uh, the whole idea is I could, you, you really could. You could move and, and go to a place and just have a part-time job and just say, you know what, I'm, I'm doing this because I want to live as a stranger on this earth and just, just go and serve and do or whatever else. And I'm just telling you, we're going to bring up opportunity after opportunity here because the first 10 years of this church, we've been gathering, 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 training, 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 and the next 10 years are going to be about sending, 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 and multiplying. And I can't wait to see what happens at Cornerstone Church in Delaware. And um, Tony put together a little video um, of that area and uh, just his mission. And I want you guys to watch this. And as you're watching it, for you just to consider and to think, why wouldn't I go? Why not? What's keeping me here? So go ahead and watch this. The easiest thing for me to do right now would be to relax, to stay where I'm at, to keep doing the same thing I'm doing. Am I being effective? Maybe. But I'm comfortable. And I know that I can be more effective if I go where there's a greater need. When my life is over and I stand before God and I have to give an account to Him of my ministry, will I be able to say, Lord, I did what I did because I believed it was how I could be most instrumental in accomplishing Your purpose. It's an amazing feeling to come home to a family who is anxiously awaiting your arrival. My sons smiling and clapping and all then running, anxious for me to pick him up and hold him. My wife standing in the background smiling and, and just being patient waiting for her turn. I don't deserve a welcome like that, but I always want one. And I want to live my life in a way so that when I when I reach my final home, my real home, that I'm welcomed that same way. That there's a great cloud of witnesses standing and cheering. And even more, that there's a Savior smiling, waiting to say those words, well done, well done. no doubt in my mind that God's calling me to this, and I choose to follow. It's going to be exciting, you know, a year from now to hear the reports of what God's doing at Cornerstone Church in Delaware. I just can't wait for that. And, uh, and I know some of you go, no, I, I'm staying. And, and you know what, I'm staying. And, 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 but the reason why I'm staying is clear. I, I know that God's given me a vision 
and a purpose and things to do here. If I can send guys out all around the world, then this is the most effective place I can be. And I'm, I'm just saying, you know, rather than coming up with reasons why you, you should leave, um, I'm saying, you know, do you have any reasons why you should stay? You know, is there a real purpose and vision and goal in your life? And maybe so, because we will need people to fill the positions of other people that leave. But for all of us, we need to live a step, step of faith, a life of faith, where we do things that are uncomfortable and say, God, I'm going to do this, but you better come through. Um, this is for your glory, and I'm banking on heaven. I'm banking that if I sacrifice this and I give up this home here, that there really is a better home later. And God says, you live that way, and I'm not ashamed to be called your God.